Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's service to us by way of his name, word, and with his very body and blood. A couple of announcements this morning. First, there's Sunday school and Bible class at 9.30. Join us in the lounge for refreshments, then adults head off into the gym for a study entitled the St. Peter Option. Or you can join me in the fellowship hall for a new member class entitled Catechesis for Life. Sunday school children, kindergarten through fifth grade, uh, begin with an opening in the music room. Sixth through eighth graders meet in the school fifth grade classroom and the high school Bible class meets in the school seventh grade classroom. Join us in the study of God's word. A special voters meeting is at 9.30 this morning in the gym. It's very brief. It will be right before the Bible study. The purpose of the meeting is to discuss and consider the ratification and approval of Trinity's offer to purchase the parking lot right behind us from the city of Sheboygan and a related agreement with the Weill Center. This is a special voters meeting so that only ex uh, existing registered voters are allowed to vote. A listing of existing voters is available in the gym. A majority of all registered voters is required for a quorum to consider purchasing the property so your attendance is <clears throat> appreciated. Also, just a note, if you want to become a, a voting member of the congregation, any regular meeting, you can become a, a regular voting member uh, simply by signing up. Regular meeting, this is a special uh, voters meeting, that's why that's not possible today. Thanksgiving services are this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. or Thursday uh, at 9 a.m. So please join us in giving thanks to God for all of the blessings he has given us in and through his son, Jesus Christ. The service this morning is found on the panel of your bulletin. The best way to follow along is simply to go to the page indicated on the panel. Please note, right after the Old Testament reading, um, we'll be singing together with the choir, and that's on an insert in the music notes in your bulletin. The green sheet is there with notes on today's service, readings, um, and a devotion for you to be used throughout the week. So all the announcements I have, please stand. The bells will call us to worship. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us kneel for confession and absolution. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in God, word and deed, by the Holy God, and by the Holy God, and by the Holy God, and by the Holy
Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord 
for the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord Help save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Almighty and ever-living God, you have given exceedingly great and precious promises to those who trust in you. Dispel from us the works of darkness and grant us to live in the light of your Son, Jesus Christ, that our faith may never be found wanting. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the 25th Sunday after Pentecost is from Zephaniah, chapter 1. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. 
On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traders are no more, all who weigh out silver are cut off. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Their goods shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them 
as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus said, It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you deliver to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you deliver to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sowed, and gathered where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. For from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise 
Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. How many of you like to wait? Waiting for the dentist, waiting for the doctor, waiting in line, waiting for the web page to load, waiting for your meals to arrive at the restaurant. Being fast is big business in our world today. Fast delivery through Amazon, fast food, fast internet and cell service. Don't make me wait. Make it short and sweet and to the point. Whether all that's good or bad, I'll let you decide. Last week, the parable that Jesus told us talked about waiting, waiting for the day of our Lord's return. Many fear that day of judgment. In fact, I was sitting in the hospital this past week and visiting with my daughter, and she received a text from a friend of hers who was Roman Catholic, and her priest had been talking about the end days, and she was scared to death. She said, Dad, what do I say to her? And I said, for us Christians, it's a day of joy, a day that we wait for and anticipate when Jesus will come again and make all things new again. But here's the question, what do we do until we wait? Christianity just isn't about getting into heaven, it's about life here now too. That's what Jesus' parable is really all about today. This is an important parable to get right because there are two dangerous ditches to fall in when it comes to this parable. And you don't want to fall on either side of it, but stay on the road of orthodoxy or right doctrine. So the ditch on the one side of the road is that you have to do certain things in order to be saved. That's a ditch on one side. That your Christian life now is about earning your way into heaven, like maybe those first two servants in the peril seem to do. This is what we call works righteous ditch. All that matters, all the focus is what you do on your goodness, on your good works, on your church attendance, on your serving, on your giving, doing enough to get into heaven. We don't want to fall into that ditch, and we Lutherans usually are pretty good at avoiding that ditch most of the time, except when we think we're on a little higher pecking order because we come to church more than the other person or give more than the other one or show up and do more, that somehow because of these things, God should be more pleased with me. So maybe we're not all the way at the bottom of that ditch, but we slip there, don't we? But the ditch on the other side of the road is just as bad. That is a ditch that we call the fancy word for you, antinomian ditch or anti-law ditch, which thinks that what I do doesn't really matter at all. 
I can do whatever I want. I can sin. I can do as much as I want because all that really matters at the end of the day is that you believe in Jesus, you will be forgiven, and it's all good. That's maybe the side of the road we Lutherans tend to slip into a little bit more. The prophet Zephaniah has some words about that this morning, and they weren't very pleasant. Both of these errors come by thinking that Christianity is all about getting to heaven, and so you either have to be obsessed about doing enough to get yourself there, or you can live a footloose, fancy-free, carefree life, and you're already there. But notice in both of these pictures that I portray to you, these errors, these ditches, where's Jesus? He's not really all that important. It's all focused on me and what I have to do or don't have to do. Which is really quite a minimalistic view of the Christian life. What is the least that I have to do to get by? The thinking is kind of like this. How much dinner do I have to eat to get dessert? Are you part of the clean plate club? Exactly how clean do I have to get my room? How long does that term paper really have to be? Exactly how much do I have to do to get the promotion? How much do I have to do to get to heaven? Because I certainly want to make sure I don't do more than I have to do. Is that what the Christian life is all about, really? Is that it? Or is it that it's my life and I want to do as I want, so let me get this out of the way? Again, where's Jesus in all of this? Instead, think about this parable that Jesus told again. What do we know about the three servants, and what was the difference between the first two and the third? Well, it seems to be this. The first, had a completely, the first two had a completely different view of their master than the third. The third one thought that the master was a tough guy, reaping where he did not sow and gathering where he scattered no seed, and so someone to be petrified of. But while that is his opinion of his master, we don't know that to be true. In fact, it seems by his actions that the master is really quite the opposite of that. He freely gives to his servants a whole ton of money, Even one talent was the equivalent of 20 years' wages for a working man. And the first two servants don't seem concerned about what he will think when they return, if he expected an even greater return on the investment than they got. You get the impression from the parable that they joyfully came before the master, and they were glad he was back, and he seems equally pleased with both of them, and then doesn't just take what they had earned— But he gives them more. Was he really stingy? Hard? It doesn't seem so. And so it was their knowledge of the master that made all the difference in how they lived, waiting for him to return. So it is for you and me. Knowing Jesus, your master, makes a difference. And it is reflected in how we live now. If you live in fear of punishment that says, something about what, that says something about what you believe about God, if you live thinking you have to earn his love in life, that is saying something too. 
If you think you can selfishly take advantage of his love and forgiveness, sinning as much as we want, well, that speaks volumes too. As does living in joy and confidence of being a child of God. Knowing that our Father in heaven, our Savior, and what he is like and who he is makes all the difference in the world. So let's consider our Father. What kind of God is he really? He's a giving God. All that we have is from our Father's hands. If he didn't give it, we wouldn't have it. To some he gives more, to some he gives less, as in the parable. But this too is good because he gives what he does because he knows you and me. Love does not treat everyone the same, but each person uniquely and individually. He gives you what you need, but not more than what you can handle. And never because you deserve it. As we confess in the Catechism, all this he does out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. It's all gift. Because what we deserve from God is this. Nothing. No gifts, no kindness, no consideration, no life, only death. Because of our sin. Because we don't just slip into those ditches, do we? We sprint into those ditches and live as if God, our generous giving God, did not matter and I mattered most. But then we find more out about our giving God. That to us, he has not only given all that we have, he gives us his son. He does, not turn us away, he does not turn away from our sin, but gives us even more. And so Jesus came and gave his life for yours and mine and the world on the cross to pull us out of the ditch, to cleanse us and set us on the road again, to take all of the nasty stuff we heard from Zephaniah, all the wrath, all the distress, all the ruin, all the devastation, all the darkness and gloom and anguish and weeping and gnashing of teeth that is by right ours. And he gives you his son and places it on him. And if that's not enough, he gives us even more. For God gives you the Spirit, and with His Spirit, the gift of faith, the forgiveness of sins, the promise of resurrection and life eternal, that as His children, we would be set free to live and enjoy all the gifts that God has given to us in the places where He has put us. Not selfishly, or as if there were no God, or that God was hard and demanding. No, but to care and to give, and to love, and to serve, and to have mercy and kindness on one another. Not withholding forgiveness. Think of it if your Heavenly Father held back from you this morning. And living in such faith and joy, being not like those first two servants, being like those first two servants, joyful when our Lord returns, knowing that as his children, he is pleased with that. So put Jesus in the center of your life. It will affect how you live. It puts everything into perspective. 
both our promised life in eternity and our life here and now, which your Father wants you to enjoy. Not in fear or in captivity and sin, but to love and to be free from sin. Because what we do matters. How we live matters. Not to get anything from God. He's already given us everything. Because our neighbors need us. Your children need you. Your parents need you. Your spouse needs you. Your co-workers and classmates need you. Your friends need you because how you live tells the world what you believe about your father and what he is like. And so your father gives to you. Not that you withhold generosity, but that you give it. So that when our brother returns, we will meet him with the faith that you live now and enter into the joy that we've already received, the joy of his forgiveness, the joy of his freedom, the joy as you enter to see your Savior already now, here to give you his body and blood, to strengthen your faith and forgive your sins so that you might love your neighbor, not because of what you did or left undone, but because of what Christ has done for you. And in that last day, he will say to you, Oh, welcome, good and faithful servants. Enter into the joy of your master. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith to Christ Jesus, to life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord God, enter not into judgment with your servants, for no one living is righteous before you. Have mercy on those haunted by guilt and shame, and faithfully convince them of your grace and holiness for them in Christ Jesus. Lord, in your mercy, teach us to do your will, for you are our God. Strengthen pastors to meditate on all you have done and proclaim your word and its truth and purity, that your good spirit lead us on level ground, holy and righteous before you. Guide and direct Ruth, James, Luke, and Harvey as they prepare for church work vocations. Be with Contour Atherton and his family as he considers both his call to Concordia Seminary and his call here at Trinity. Guide and direct his deliberations. We also thank you for the faithful work of Mariah Larson, our second grade teacher. Lord, in your mercy. Father in heaven, you have made us children of the light and of the day. Bless our homes, especially parents, as they teach their children your ways, that your people may walk as those armored in faith, love, and salvation. We also thank you this day at the birth of Jetson Bennett Jerse, newborn son of Jacob and Emily. Lord, in your mercy. Holy God, a nation that despises you will be as a sacrifice to others, for it has rejected you as its strength and shield. Grant repentance in our land, that our laws may be just, our transactions honest, and our love for others fervent. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, give ear to our pleas on behalf of the afflicted, including the victims of war in the Middle East and the Ukraine, Carla undergoing medical tests, Alvin afflicted with heart issues, 
Nanette recovering after knee surgery, Sharon recovering after brain surgery, Robert recovering after hip surgery, Brad awaiting a kidney transplant, Renee recovering after surgery, Bart for continued management of his illness, Charles, Carl, Emmy, Tim, Benjamin, Bernadette, Sue, Jennifer, Sharon, Doris, Timothy, Ronald, John, and Mary, all in treatment for cancer, and Dorothy in hospice care. For your name's sake, preserve their life and grant them healing according to your will. In your righteousness, strengthen their faith through all trials and bring their souls out of trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Holy God, you have not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Until the day of his coming in glory, grant that we may welcome him at the altar, even as we are welcomed to him, receiving his body and blood for our forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy. God of life, your son died for us, that whether awake or asleep, we might live for him. Receive our thanks for your kindness to all who have died in the faith, including Robert Newman, who we remember today. Comfort those who mourn with the consolation that all who die in Christ live with him forever. Lord, in your mercy. God of grace, preserve us from the temptation to consider you a hard and unmerciful master. Keep us mindful that you give us every good thing in abundance. Most of all, a place in your household. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated for the offering and for the signing of the Friendship Register.
Lord be with you. up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you. Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us to do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. O Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, in giving us your body and blood to eat and to drink, you lead us to remember and confess your holy cross and passion, your blessed death, your rest in the tomb, your resurrection from the dead, your ascension into heaven, and your coming for the final judgment. So remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
The body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in body and soul to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, you have given us a foretaste of the feast to come and the holy supper of your Son's body and blood. Keep us firm in the true faith throughout our days of pilgrimage, that on the day of his coming, we may, together with all your saints, celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.